Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus, program where we talk about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. We invite the experts, have them talk about a specific field of study or about a topic of their choice. As always, I'd like to remind you that things that are being said when it has to do with health, you always have to be very careful. Things that are being said on this program are really for the purpose of entertainment and education and information and should never be seen as a cure or a final answer from anything that you're dealing from at this time. Please talk to a physician or a specialist of your choice. Do more reading. Hopefully we tickle your interest and we hope that we can help you to get more information in your quest for better health. So the information that is being said, take it as it is and uh, educate yourself further so you can help yourself and those close to you. We're going to talk today again to Dr. Dan Carter, and he is a very welcome guest on this program. He's been doing that for the last year and a half. He's been on several times, and every time again, he's fascinating us with his knowledge and with his interpretation of all the healthy information that is out there available for all of us. And Dr. Dan Carter is a naturopathic physician. He manages his own clinic. It's called the Alpine Physicians Health Center which is located at 613 West Lemmy Street. Dr. Dan is, first of all, an educator. That is what he's been doing over here, really educating us very well about many different topics. Um, he has also taught at naturopathic school for many years. Now, his treatments, what he's working with, uh, includes pretty much anything. You name it, and he'll probably deal with it. Uh, I mean, within limits, of course. <laughs> He doesn't tear you apart and put you back together. That's one of the few things he doesn't do. But in general, he takes care of overall health, acute and chronic infections. He is working with cardiovascular disease, gastrointestinal disorders, problems caused by toxins, autoimmune diseases, sports injury, injuries, and nutrition. We're blessed to have him with us this morning. Dr. Dan, good morning once again. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Jacobus. I'm very happy to be back on this beautiful Sunday. It is beautiful Sunday. And uh, so what we decided to talk about today, folks, is natural alternatives to prescription drugs and over-the-counter medication. And uh, we're sure this could, uh, this could get a lot of you riled up because in the United States, a lot of people are taking some kind of prescription drugs or they are indeed going to the store and buy the regular Sudafed and aspirins, etc., etc., and there are certain dangers to that. Uh, we know about it. Dr. Dan is going to talk about us more about that today, but also we want to show you some of the possibilities out there, either with, uh, with, uh, with vitamins or also with uh, certain things you can do otherwise that might be very helpful for you as far as diet is concerned and lifestyle. So, Dr. Dan, where are we going to go from here? Well, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, some of the examples of drugs that people take and uh, ways to either decrease those drugs and replace them with nutrients or replace them with uh, useful foods that can do the same thing as the drug. One thing that uh, we want to make sure that people understand is that many, drug, many drugs can be life-saving when used judiciously for specific medical emergencies yeah. and for some chronic conditions. Medical mm -hmm. emergencies like trauma care require powerful drugs because profound 
physiological changes are brought on by severe physical injury. Yeah. But when you get to the chronic medical cases where drugs are applied appropriately, you have to also remember that uh, many of these chronic conditions could have been avoided with diet and lifestyle changes that prevent the illness in the first place. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that we face is that there's a lot of misinformation about uh, appropriate diet within mainstream medicine and society, and that's partially due to the way uh, current medical uh, professionals are educated, and it's also due to the real economic uh, benefits benefits in the market that <laughs> that are uh, you know being uh, sought after by the drug companies mm-hmm. so the drug companies in some cases have suggested that certain supplements be removed from the market yeah and their uh, pharmaceutical uh, equivalents are not removed from the market and so somehow this exactly what you bring up uh, has been in the news lately with the removal of some of the products that are out there, some of the prescription drugs that are out there, and it brings a panic to people because they're so used to those with or without the side effects, but they definitely look at the benefits and say, but it did help me with this. Now they, And they might say, well, but I didn't have the side effects that, uh, that the doctors are talking about or that the FDA is talking about. Uh, so they really would like to continue with that. But now if they're not available anymore, somehow we need to find a substitute that is uh, that is that gives the people a similar effect, hopefully without the side effects, but definitely with the benefits that they're looking for. That's correct. One of the uh, examples that uh, we can talk about that's of an herb that was removed is ephedra. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this was abused by... Uh, Quite a few people as an aid to weight loss because obesity is such a problem in the country. Mm-hmm. And some deaths occurred. But ephedra is a very useful herb for uh, conditions like asthma, hay fever, and common cold, and, of course, weight loss. Yeah. And the problem is that uh, Americans tend to think that if a little is good, then more is better. And this is not the case with even herbs and supplements. They have to be treated with respect. Yeah. But it's interesting to note that while ephedra was removed from the market, pseudoephedrine, which is a over-the-counter drug mm-hmm. used for hay fever, can be abused in the same manner, but it wasn't removed from the market. Yes. So there's some a lot of political stuff uh, surrounding this whole subject. Yeah. Another example is a current effort in Congress to have DHEA removed from the over-the-counter is market. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. And this Why is that? Well, DHA is an adrenal hormone that supports uh, immune function, decreases inflammation, improves neurological function, and inhibits cancer cell reproduction. And I think the problem is DHA can be converted to testosterone, and so they're lumping it in with all of the performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah. But it's a very poor way to increase testosterone because it can be converted by the body to either testosterone or estrogen. Mm-hmm. So people may be taking it for one reason, and their body converts it into something that they don't really need or want. I see. Uh, another thing that you have to look at with DHEA is that, you know, some people can sustain liver damage if they take too much. 
because they need to know how to take it. It needs to be taken with antioxidants to protect mm -hmm. the liver. And also well, people with, uh, men with, say, prostate problems. Yes. They need to be aware that uh, increased testosterone may bother that problem and they have to, need to have PSA levels checked, mm -hmm. prostate-specific antigen. And similarly, women with estrogen-responsive cancer need to have estrogen levels followed. Mm -hmm. And so here's a very common supplement that is a hormone, mm -hmm. and it needs to be used with uh, you know, due consideration and perhaps medical supervision. Yeah. But at the same time, <clears throat> if testosterone accelerates cancer or causes cancer, an estrogen would cause cancer, too much of it, then every young man and woman in this country probably has cancer because we all have a lot more testosterone and estrogen in a longer, younger age, but it declines. Plus, um, we have seen that as far as the DHEA is concerned, that after the age of 25 and 30, it starts to slowly decline, and by the time of 70, 75, the body probably doesn't produce much, if any, anymore. And uh, we see actually increase in female cancers and male cancers at those age levels. Well, right? DHEA so, does have uh, specific uh, anti-cancer properties in and of itself before right. it's converted to these other hormones. But the problem, I thought, was that there is a lack of progesterone, which helps to balance these, uh, these hormones. Well, that's the whole key is balance. Uh, if balance. you have sufficient progesterone, which is anti-cancer in, in that's one of its properties, Yes, then uh, you can really help avoid the problems. And I think a lot of men don't realize that they can also take progesterone cream. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, you can measure progesterone levels in men, and that's very beneficial for them to take the uh, progesterone cream mm -hmm. because it, it helps avoid prostate problems. My understanding is that it is good for people if they have questions about the DHEA level which is a long word, folks, dehydroepiandosterone. It's a long word, but what it is, it is, a, it is a hormone that is produced by your adrenal gland, not the adrenal cortex, that is the core of the adrenal. The cortex deals more with your stress hormones, but the, the, the gland itself produces the DHEA, and it is done in conjunction with your pituitary gland, specifically the anterior pituitary lobe, and uh, it is necessary for indeed the production, as Dr. Dan says, of two hormones, testosterone and estrogen. And uh, our body makes that, that natural, uh, naturally, uh, but after the age of 30, slowly but surely it starts to become less and less and less. And by the time of 70, 75, our body almost produces nothing of the DHEA anymore. The, um, um, what I wanted to say, Dr. Dan, is uh, something about DHEA, and I lost my thoughts. So... Um, but it is it is good. DHEA is in in general safe to take. Oh, this was going to ask you. I understand that before people take this, if they have any doubts about taking it, they can have either a uh, DHEA saliva test done or a DHEA sulfate test done. Um, do you help? Can you help people with those kind of tests? Yeah, we can order those tests. Uh, the DHEA would just uh, give you the total level, and the DHEA sulfate is the active form of the hormone. Um, Can you tell us an approximate price on those kind of things? Uh, it would be in the $30 range for one of those tests. Okay. Well, that's very doable. Yes. 
Yeah. And the thing is, when people are under uh, lots of stress, stress, which is very common in the world today, and they're like us right now in the yeah, studio, <laughs> their cortisol will go up and their GHA decreases. Yeah. Even if you're, uh, if you've normally got a good in output, so mm-hmm. you need to watch that. All right. So having said that about supplements, in general, though, drugs are much more risky to take than supplements. There was a very extensive 2004 survey of major peer-reviewed literature, and it revealed that the annual U.S. death rate from adverse drug reactions was in excess of 106,000 people. And this was not uh, mistakes, drug mistakes. This was correctly prescribed drugs. So Mm -hmm. this was adverse reactions from drugs. Wow. And a little later, we're going to going to uh, talk about why drugs don't and can't really work as they're designed to work. Okay. There's an interesting aphorism known as Pfeiffer's Law, and it states that uh, we have found that if a drug can be found to do the job of medical healing, a nutrient can be found to do the same job. Mm -hmm. When we understand how a drug works, we can imitate its action with one of the nutrients. It's interesting that they say it this way instead of the other way. If we understand how modern nature works, we can figure out why a drug works. I think that's uh, one of the ways drugs were developed initially. That's right. And so they turned it around and... Uh, <laughs> were able to patent it. Yes. Yes. And we will also look at why patentable drugs don't work as well as uh, natural supplements and natural hormones, too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So are we ready to go into these lists? That's, sure. We got some great drugs here. Yes. And some great alternatives. I got my books with me. I got everything we need. Well, we got you, which is <laughs> which is probably the safest bet right now. Let's start with the analgesics and pain relievers. Okay. Uh, these include the NSAIDs, commonly known as the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, mm-hmm. and the most common one of those is aspirin. There's also the COX-2 inhibitors, which have been many of which have been recalled from the market due to heart disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, ibuprofen, acetaminophen, which can cause liver problems. Okay. And then there's we go into the very strong pain relievers like opioids. Uh, they're for moderate to severe pain, and they can cause respiratory depression if they're overdosed. And, of course, there's addiction problems and there's abuse problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of the strong ones, uh, like OxyContin, mm-hmm. are really a choice drug for abuse. Yeah. So if we look at something like uh, Tylenol as a brand name of acetaminophen, mm-hmm. Uh, and look at recent research, it emphasizes the occurrence of unintentional or accidental liver toxicity. Yeah. And in people that uh, drink a lot, like heavy alcohol users, when they overdose, they can have liver failure and death in about uh, one-fifth of those people. And in most of these reports, the dosage reported by the patient did exceed the 24-hour limit. However, some patients did report taking doses within the limit. So that's a problem with all drugs or supplements is that you can take as much as you want. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really not safe to do that. 
So there are people who take Tylenol to get over a hangover. Yeah, well, that's a real mistake. Right, exactly, <laughs> because Tylenol, more than any of the other ones, it can really, in combination with alcohol in the body, and that's why you mentioned about the 24 mm-hmm. hours, Yeah, you do not want to take it within 24 hours because that combination can be very dangerous for the liver, even within, uh, even if you just do it a few times. And Tylenol, like I said, is a very popular choice by many people to make sure they don't have the headache or the hangover the next day. Well, when they looked at this, they looked at the safe dosage limits recommended, and they found that it's likely to be much lower than previously thought for alcohol users. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to drink and then you uh, overdo it a little bit, want to get over your hangover, just remember that one of the things that alcohol does is it dehydrates you. So drink lots of water, take B vitamins, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Tone down your drinking, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I look more. Okay, yeah. We're going to get into the alternatives in a second, I know. But, yeah. So what are some uh, natural alternatives for the minor pain relievers, the aches and pains that mm-hmm. we sometimes have? Mm-hmm. Well, there's some homeopathic remedies that work well. If you have an acute injury... One of the most amazing homeopathic remedies is called Arnica Montana. You can have uh, bruising, bleeding under the skin, contusions, and this will really help decrease the discomfort with that. You start Mm -hmm. taking it as soon as you can after the injury, and then you continue it until the uh, injury is essentially recovered. Probably a week or two would would be of great benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a, a person once who uh, fell over on their motorcycle going around a curve, and the bike came down on their left leg. Oh, ouch. And they started taking Arnica Montana right away because they had talked to me about that and had it in their first aid kit. Well, they didn't feel any pain for the first week. Absolutely amazing because there was a lot of bruising. Yeah. And uh, then they stopped taking it a little too early, and they developed all the symptoms that Arnica's indicated for. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a good example of how well Arnica can work. Now, from a uh, um, point of view for consumers that decide to come to a health food store and get some Arnica and who would not come to you right away, um, you have different dosages uh, that is often very confusing for people. Uh, do they go for a 6X, a 30X, a 30C? What would you suggest to people for people to look into at a point like that, when it is that acute? When it's really acute, you can use a high potency, like a 30C. Mm-hmm. If it's uh, more chronic, you can use a lower potency. Okay. Hmm, I if thought it was the other way around. It, okay. Well, it, it seems to work that way for Arnica. Huh. And usually when it's more physical, you can use lower potency. When it's physical and emotional, you can use the higher potency. Correct. Correct. All right. Well, we're going to listen to more uh, wisdom from Dr. Dan Carter when we come back, folks. Uh, This is Gesundheit with Jacobus, and we will be right back. Dr. Dan, we were talking about the analgesics and pain relievers for minor pains, and we just finished up with Arnica as a possible natural solution for people with injuries and and minor and, and aches and pains. And some of it could be very severe. 
Right. Arnica can work for very severe pain when it's taken right after the injury. It works much better. Mm-hmm. Arnica isn't that good for headaches, uh, arthritic pains, things like that. Okay. There are other things that work better, and one of those is lifestyle. If you find that your joints are aching all the time and that you always have a headache, you need to look at your diet and how you're living your life because mm-hmm. that can contribute a lot to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But recently, actually a 2003 article in a German medical journal looked at a homeopathic combination medicine that they said works as well as the COX-2 inhibitors. Uh-huh. And, of course, it doesn't have the dangers associated with the recalled drugs known as COX-2 inhibitors. Mm-hmm. It's uh, marketed as Zeal Combination N, and it's a combination of four homeopathic remedies. Uh, if you know a little bit about homeopathy, one of them is Roost Tox. There's another one called Solanum. Mm-hmm. Sanguinaria and Arnica, and they did a uh, double-blind placebo-controlled study and found that it did work as good as the drugs. I'll be darned. So it's not just imagination that says these dilute medicines work well. We do sell Zeal at uh, Montana Harvest. Well, good. Yeah, as a cream and as a tablet. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Very good. Another thing to do is that to remember that uh, a lot of this pain, all of these aches and pains are due to inflammation. And so it's really important to keep inflammation in the body down. One of those, one of the most important things to do that with is omega-3 fatty acids. Okay. Because they, mm-hmm. they alter the, uh, some of the pro-inflammatory products in our body and are, actually produce anti-inflammatory uh, fats that work to decrease those aches and pains. Always remember, if you're uh, supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids, you need to protect those fatty acids in the body with vitamin E. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So make sure you take a full-spectrum mixed tocopherol uh, vitamin E product. What uh, suggestion do you have as far as daily intake of omega-3s is concerned? Um, I know people come in and say, well, I take a capsule a day. Uh, when you are dealing with a specific issue, that might not be enough. No, it won't be. If you're looking for anti-inflammatory relief, then I would say a tablespoon a day. Okay. And I would supplement with, you know, 500 international units of vitamin E to protect that within your body so it doesn't get oxidized. Okay. And people with heart disease and real inflammatory problems like autoimmune problems, then we can go up to two tablespoons a day. But we need to, you know, watch the effects of that and do it maybe for a month or two and then take a a few weeks off. I think that's a great idea. I like that about your style, that you work with people and say, you know, we know it's natural, but at the same time, we'll check you in a month. Talk, come back. Let's check the levels and see if everything, how the body is reacting to it. Mm -hmm. Because we have a tendency to to get advice from a physician and then don't change it anymore. And we need to look at the body changing because of the remedies. Right. If you get relief, then you may not, you can reduce the dose of whatever you're taking. Mm -hmm. Like on a routine basis, that uh, one capsule of omega-3s may be enough. Uh, A teaspoon a day is good for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Are there any side effects of taking uh, fish oil? 
if it is a good quality fish oil, molecularly distilled, so there was no toxins in it, no no mercury, dioxins, PCBs, any of that. Well, it uh, improves blood circulation due to the fact that it supports the lining of the blood vessels, and it also decreases the tendency for microclots to form due to platelet aggregation. Okay. People uh, may know that platelets are little particles that float around in the blood that help us clot our blood when we cut ourselves, Mm -hmm. and with all of the inflammation that we produce through eating fast foods, those little particles tend to stick together and aggregate, and so the omega-3 fatty acids help prevent that. Mm -hmm. And so people on drugs that tend to increase platelet aggregation need to make sure that they have omega-3 fatty acids in their diet but it is but we don't have to people do not have to worry about taking too much fish oil you don't need to take more than you actually need but it is not that they have to worry about overdosing on fish oil i would not <laughs> recommend that people take a ton of it okay i mean 2 tablespoons is a is a large dose and that it would only be temporarily and that anyway. would be temporary yeah mm-hmm. All right, good. So that inflammation is really important to take uh, out of the picture when you've got aches and pains. There are some good combination uh, products out there that have things like the herb curcumin, which is mm-hmm. highly anti-inflammatory, and we'll talk about that more mm-hmm. as we go on. Quercetin mm-hmm. helps decrease the inflammation. And a class of uh, products known as proteolytic enzymes mm-hmm. help decrease inflammation a lot. One of those is made from uh, pineapple stems. It's called bromelain. Okay. Now, you mentioned the quercetin, uh, which is a um, bioflavonoid. Yes. And um, bioflavonoids are they're not specifically a vitamin, but many people consider them part of a vitamin because they are one of the essential uh, elements in modern nature that help the absorbability of vitamin C. Uh, is that right? But they actually also have their own function, something with the capillaries, uh, for the health of the capillaries in the body. But I understand that quercetin is a popular item with people with hay fever and seasonal allergies. Yeah, it can really Why help. would it be that? <clears throat> well, because it helps the uh, health of membranes, and it helps stabilize uh, one of the white blood cells called mast, mast cells. Okay. Mast cells, when they break down, they release histamine and cause allergic reactions. Mm-hmm. So, of uh, course, really good for that. Okay. Then we uh, go on. We can look at specific things that can help decrease discomfort. Uh, one of those is DL-phenylalanine. All right. And the reason we use the DL form is it lasts longer in the body. Okay. Uh, phenylalanine is a amino acid. Yeah. And the way it works is it enhances endorphin and enkephalin levels in the central nervous system, and so it reduces pain, and it can be very effective. Yeah. Uh, so if a person's taking that for pain relief, they'd want to look at amounts of uh, 500 milligrams three or four times a day okay. away from food. Away from food, okay. With uh, amino acids, if you take them away from food, they don't have to compete for absorption with proteins from a meal, say. Okay. And so they're absorbed a little better. Now, the D-L-phenylalanine is a combination of L-phenylalanine and D. 
phenylalanine, and I think one deals more with pain, and the other one deals more with stress. Is that right? And then the combination of them um, works. Well, the, the combination works to de decrease pain in the body. Okay. Yeah. Great. Another uh, good way to look at uh, pain is, uh, at least for the short term, is Jamaican dogwood. Uh-huh. It's a herb, of course, and it's a... Chuck, it's not what you think it is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And it's legal, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a uh, flowering plant. <laughs> Well, the other one is too, but <laughs> this is known as Pisidia. Okay. <laughs> and it's a nerving, which means it uh, nourishes the nervous system, anodyne, which means it relieves pain, and it's antispasmodic. Another way to really relieve pain that people don't often consider is uh, body work. Body work can be extremely helpful in, in reducing pain. If you have uh, adhesions where muscles attach to uh, ligaments or tendons or other structures, getting rid of those adhesions through a, with a good body worker can really resolve long-term joint issues like shoulder problems, neck problems. Uh, things like chiropractic can can help so much with, with back pain and joint pain and, mm -hmm. and headaches. Mm -hmm. And so really think about body work. Mm -hmm. It not only uh, helps your aches and pains, but it's extremely relaxing. And, and we do have some great body workers in this town. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So well, let's how about, how, can I ask you, how about white willow bark? Is that a good one or is that uh, something that you're not a big fan of? And Boswellian, Boswella? No, uh, yeah, I've got uh, notes on Boswellia a little bit later, okay. uh, more as an anti-inflammatory. All righty, all righty. That's uh, good. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. But white willow bark is, uh, is good. It has naturally occurring uh, salicylic acid, and so it's similar to aspirin. Yeah. But like a lot of natural products, it has cofactors that make it work better and without some of the side effects of aspirin, like gastrointestinal bleeding. Okay. So, yes, white willow bark is fine. All right. Any others? Good. Thank you. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Your name and how can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Maxim calling. Hello, Maxim. Good morning. Um, you were talking about allergy uh, and antihistamines and this sort of thing. Yeah. And um, I would like to get more information on that. But I also have another question uh, about removing toxins yes um, I've heard that there's uh, toxins released when you heat coffee in styrofoam cups or uh, plastics being um, releasing I guess some kind of material whenever they're heated in a Estrogen. microwave. Estrogens. Estrogen. Estrogen mimicus. Okay is that dangerous? Yeah it's uh, very dangerous because there are so many estrogen mimics within the environment uh, all of your plasticizers are estrogen mimics. Uh, many of your pesticides and herbicides also degrade to the a molecule that's close enough to estrogen that it can set off the receptor. And of course it doesn't set it off in a correct way and it's, it leads to higher cancer rates. So how would you remove that from your system? 
Well, you need to do what's called a solvent detoxification program, which involves uh, liver detoxification and removing these <laughs> toxins, poisons, from the fat where it's stored in the body. Mm-hmm. And what would you recommend for that? What herbs or, or supplements would uh, help remove that estrogen compound? Well, there's functional foods, they're called, and they contain all of the nutrients required for liver detoxification. One of the reasons people get uh, feeling so bad when they go through casual detoxification is because they don't have the nutrients required for the liver pathways to detoxify the solvents and other things, the estrogen mimics, as they come out of storage. So you need to also remove them out of the system, not just out of the specific organ that holds them, but also out of the bloodstream. So do you really use like green leafy vegetables and uh, well, beets? Uh, and yeah, beets are a real good uh, blood cleanser, the uh, green leafy vegetables. Anything that contains sulfur helps detoxification. So cabbage, Brussels sprouts, uh, mm-hmm. broccoli. Hmm. Cauliflower. Okay. Now, would you do that raw, or would you want to have them cooked? What would well, you, you can do? steam them. Steam them. Okay. They're a little bit more dig- <clears throat> digestible that way. You can use the green drinks. Okay. Are good. Um, Almost every TV dinner is on a styrofoam sort of plate. Well, that's why it's so important to use uh, non-processed whole foods, and heating a TV dinner or any product in a microwave in a plastic container is extremely dangerous because that plastic has been proven to off-gas and enter the food at high levels when it's heated in a microwave. Not only that, but the microwave itself destroys any nutritive value in the food. Interesting. Mm. So a microwave is uh, a no-no for food, period. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it is. Wow. It it should really be used an exception, I would say. Well, uh, the only... uh, I don't think microwaves should be used for heating foods. No. Period. I, I can't believe people use it to heat water. Like I do. I have. I've, oh, is that right? I've heated it. And, well, for example, heating up my coffee in a cup, a styrofoam cup, I've done that for years. And uh, I've never noticed any health side effects. In fact, I feel pretty healthy. But I guess that's one of those things that accumulates over the long run, which is news to me. Well, it accumulates over the long run, and there is, uh, you know, a fact of life called biochemical individuality, where some people can go on for long periods of time because they can, you know, their liver is healthy enough to get rid of the byproducts of the plastic degradation in the microwave, whereas other people, they can get very ill, and they'll get, they'll be the ones that get uh, liver cancer and things like that. Yeah. Well, this is most informative. Um, in signing off, uh, you, if you could please answer on the air what else one can do for severe allergy reactions. And thank you very much for the uh, show. Maxim, real quick, allergy reactions, you're talking about seasonal allergies or are you talking about allergies to certain foods? Uh, seasonal. Seasonal. It's just all of a sudden uh, someone I know has had severe allergic uh, discomfort. All right. Sneezing, coughing, congestion, all those typical allergy symptoms. All right. Well, we'll talk about that then. Thank you. Thank you, Maxim. Yeah, one thing you can do is uh, 
increase your intake of vitamin C. Vitamin C is a general detoxifier, anti-allergic. It has so many uh, good properties that it's really important for everybody to take a lot. Uh, Increase the intake of omega-3 fatty acids. Mm-hmm. And again, like we said, the quercetin with the bromelain. The quercetin with bromelain mm-hmm. really helps a lot uh, with uh, some curcumin because it's very anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Uh, doing nasal lavage. That's a fancy term for uh, washing out the nasal passages with saline. Like a neti pot uh, with, idea. Yeah, you can uh, sniff it up. You can pour it in with a pot. But washing out the sinuses and mm-hmm. nose with... Uh, Sterile saline can really help decrease allergies. Right. There's some other uh, over-the-counter products that are not that bad. One is called uh, chromalin. Okay. And uh, that can really help decrease the uh, allergic response in people that are having severe allergies. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about also some possible homeopathic remedies for allergies. Folks, we will be right back. Dr. Dan, before we go back to your specific topic, we have a caller on hold. Caller, thanks for joining us this morning. Your name and how can we help you? Good morning, Jacobus. This is Brian. Hello, Brian. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for the call. You bet. Hey, Dr. Carter, uh, you were talking just a few minutes ago in the last hour about this Arnica, Montana. Yes, I was. Does that work for like tendonitis and bursitis type inflammations of the muscles and joint pains and things like that? It would not work that well for those, no. It would not? No. Okay. Do you have a recommendation along that lines to... I'm having an inflammation of the shoulder. I work overhead and uh, above my head quite a bit, and, and and I'm just suffering from a lot of discomfort of the shoulder. Yeah, I'd recommend that you uh, get some body work because shoulders can, can go out even without injury and without some... Uh, focused body work by, by a good person, it it's really hard to get over that. But uh, what I would do is I'd look for a good product with proteolytic enzymes because they're very good at reducing inflammation. And you're talking about bromelain as one of them, but what else? Would pancreatin also do or not? No, pancreatin can do. Uh, there's, you know, products that are made from... Uh, uh, what are they made from, moles or fungus? Anyway, they're plant-derived. They're, the enzymes are grow, grown on fungus. Uh-huh. And uh, they're specifically made for inflammation. Things like uh, the Wobenzyme? Wobenzyme. Wobenzyme, Wobenzyme okay. is a well-known example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing would be uh, for joints, uh, Boswellia works really well. Might as well talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it inhibits the synthesis of 5-lipoxygenase, which is a very pro-inflammatory compound in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is if you can find a product with devil, Devil's Claw. Okay, Devil's Claw. That's <laughs> devil's right. Claw is really good. It uh, inhibits lipoxygenase and cyclooxygenase, too. So it's a natural COX-2 inhibitor. Uh-huh. By itself. By itself. Okay. And then if you... Start on uh, fish oil, omega-3 fatty acids. That's a, always a very good anti- anti-inflammatory. Yes. Ah, okay. And in Brian's case, uh, uh, depending on the pain level, he definitely wants to look at about a tablespoon a day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because we literally, I uh, do two, three, four Advil to go to sleep at night. 
So I, I know that can't be very good over a prolonged period of time. No, it's uh, very hard on your uh, stomach. So um, got to do something different here than the Advil, that's for darn sure, to try to manage the uh, discomfort level. Now, what about something like magnesium, uh, Dr. Dan? Well, magnesium can help to relax. A, a, a good magnesium. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, an absorbable magnesium like magnesium citrate, citrate so. magnesium aspartate. Glyconate. Uh, can help relax your muscles. Okay. And so mm-hmm. that, that can really help a lot, too. You know, one one possibility too, Brian, um, there is a company from France, it's called Dolisos, and Dolisos is uh, D-O-L-I-S-O-S, and they're a homeopathic company that has, amongst other things, specialized in organ therapy, where they use actual specific organ tissue and glandular tissue and put it in a homeopathic dilution. And we happen to have one in the store that is called Shoulder Joint. And it has the uh, it has cartilage and tendons and ligaments and fluids and bone of the shoulder in there. And I have been I have recommended this to people uh, to try. They take about ten fifteen drops. Um, I at least three times a day. I have told people if it's really acute that they try ten fifteen drops under the tongue every hour for a day and then the next day they go over to three times a day and they have seen miraculous results and what the homeopathy does it does it will have actually go to the tissue specifically uh, in your body that is injured that is inflamed and it will start the healing process it start balancing out the inflammation and so i i agree with dr dan when he says body work could be very good because it's since you're working overhead it is very well possible that there could be something done with uh, posture, with uh, the way you are making your movements. So in the long run, you're going to eliminate some of this pain. Uh, on the other hand, by using something like a uh, like something homeopathic that could go to the tissue and help to repair the inflamed tissue, is uh, could also be of great benefit to you. Very good, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your program, and, and doctor, thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. Very happy to do that. All right, have a thank great you. day. Have a happy Father's Day, Brian. Thanks. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining. Your name and how can we help you? Well, this is uh, the dork part two. Uh-huh. Now, uh, I don't even dork. remember part one, Daniel. <laughs> well, uh, good. I really put my foot in at that time. <laughs> I, for one... Like you guys have been talking supplements and good food and politically or maybe nu- nutritionally correct substances for a is while. There any, is there anything else to talk about? Yeah, I'll try oh. to go in this direction. Now, if you notice the new pyramid, they have a little figure, uh, the food pyramid, climbing up the side to suggest that we're supposed to get exercise. That exercise is a vastly important component of good health. Now, I was reading in the Guinness World Book of Records, there's a Japanese guy, they live to be 120 or 122. They asked him how come he lived so long, and he said, God, Buddha, and sun, meaning uh-huh. sunlight. Now, I was thinking about the impact of sunlight on physical health. People are getting into a tizzy over uh, getting uh, cancer, skin cancer from sun, and people are really running scared about the sun. But I was reading this Dr. David Williams. He said, now, even the Mexicans are getting skin cancer, and, and they've dealt with the sun for a long, long, long time. And he said it's not so much, he believes, not so much what is happening from the sunlight from the outside. It's the creeping Western diet, particularly hydrogenated fats that trigger off skin cancer when they react with sunlight. 
Oh, yeah, and then there's, there's one other statistic that kind of stood out was that contrary to popular belief, the people in the southern hemisphere have less cancer than the people in the northern hemisphere. The, the sunlight might might even help them defeat cancer. So what do you what do you think about this very controversial subject called sunlight and its bad or good effects with UV and all this? This is a subject dear to my heart because I uh, I agree with uh, that concept. Uh, we evolved for thousands of years <clears throat> without problem of being problems from being in the sun, and so I think the high skin cancer rates we're seeing are due to our modern lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the ta- fats we're taking in are very toxic. Uh, they damage uh, the skin cells. Also, the high amounts of sugar we're taking in suppresses the immune system. We can't fight it off. There's been a lot of good articles recently uh, in the peer-reviewed literature showing that uh, those that develop melanomas which are reputed to be due to skin cancer, and they're not always, I mean, (laughs) due to sun exposure. Uh, Melanoma patients do much better when they get sunlight. Uh Interesting, huh? Yeah. When it is pure and clean, but then also in combination with a healthy diet. Right. But you also look at the high rates of depression in in the United States, especially because we're so uh, afraid of getting any sunlight, and... uh, uh, we need that full spectrum light to help us emotionally. Mm-hmm. Here I have a uh, response to that. I was reading a statistic. I think that's called SAD, SAD, uh, Seasonal Affective Disorder or something. But that's more a psychobabble that the Western world has dealt with. They were looking at a couple of countries that didn't have much sunlight, and they, they didn't f- even conceive of something called sad sunlight deprivation part of that is just whether we think that we need the sunlight or uh, we think that we're going to be depressed without sunlight well that all right i gotta go uh, i i got things to see and people to be so you kind of leave us hanging you you, you yeah. throw something at us and then <laughs> you don't wait for the answer yeah see if it sticks on the wall all right i'll wait <laughs> for the answer and then uh and then i gotta go because uh, uh all right you, you got, got you got a busy time. life yeah all right. Well, thank you, Daniel. you want to hang up then? Yeah, I'll wait for the answer, and then All I'll right. go. All right. Well, it's not totally psychobabble uh, because people who have been depressed uh, when they're exposed to high-intensity, high, full-spectrum lights, uh, their mood lifts a lot. So it is one treatment for the so-called sad. In the Western uh, tradition, we seem to invent uh, diseases where n- no diseases have existed before, so... There is some truth to it, but you have to look at the whole picture. I thought that uh, increasing vitamin D can help with this, as well as uh, increasing your essential fatty acids, specifically your fish oils. Again, could help people with uh, SAD. Well, it can. And when you look at uh, another aspect of sunlight, vitamin D production, uh, people in the United States are chronically uh, vitamin D deficient. Yes. And that, uh, of course, contributes to uh, many things. Vitamin D has a lot of uh, functions aside from calcium metabolism and healthy bones. Yeah. A lot of people probably would benefit from taking about a 1,000 units of vitamin D a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the optimum uh, intake is a little higher than the uh, recommended daily allowance. Absolutely. Yeah, and even doctors will say that the top... 
The maximum dosage is about 2,000 units a day, but uh, even that can be disputed. Uh, there are people that do just fine on 2,000 plus of vitamin D a day. And uh, But like we say, if you, you get in the summertime, you probably don't need as much, uh, Daniel. All right. And I thought of as a parting, so long. So long. At least I didn't say so what. I mean, <laughs> okay. okay. So Have long. a good we'll see you again. Thank I, you I, much. I'm a regular. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. Oh, good morning, caller. Thanks for joining. Your name and how can we help you? Yes, Maxim again. Yes, Maxim. Uh, there is a real uh, disorder called seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. I lived all my life in New Mexico, and uh, we have a fair amount of sunlight throughout the winter. And when I started coming up here to Bozeman, I noticed it. I noticed the, the whole different cadence of the sun. I don't know if it's the pituitary gland or what, but I have noticed. Uh, and I'm gradually acclimating to uh, the, this hem- side of the hemisphere. But for that person who said that it's not a real uh, disorder, it is for me or has been. I'm getting over it, and I try and get all the sun I can, but I really miss the sunlight mm-hmm. in New Mexico. I think indeed that it is uh, anybody above uh, San Francisco and below Buenos Aires uh, that has, uh, uh, I mean, above San Francisco and below Buenos Aires, yes, that, that has these kind of uh, disorders, that has the, the, the percentages are higher for those individuals. I think uh, if, if there's a study made, uh, you'll find that people who uh, are in the northern extreme hemisphere, uh, especially in the wintertime, have a lot more depression and uh, a feeling of sadness or or, or something. Um, I noticed every time I came up here through the wintertime, I was depressed, discouraged, and it wasn't just situational. It was an actual physical uh, sensation that I got being mm-hmm. deprived of the sunlight that my lifetime of New Mexico was used to. Yeah, I, I was uh, mentioning earlier this article that was in the Bozeman Chronicle uh, on Thursday about uh, called Mental Illness Holds Steady While Treatment Rises. And one of the things it mentioned at the end is that um, uh, 1 in 10,000 Americans commit suicide in a typical year. And that is, uh, that is more than 30,000 victims a year that commit suicide. And they say it is outstripping the homicide rate. So more people are killing themselves than being killed. And of course, we still don't like to see either one. But, uh, it is definitely an alarming, alarming disorder. Uh, somehow people are being depressed for whatever reason. And, uh, I do not exclude season afflicted disorder for this, uh, for this problem. I noticed it the other way too. Um, that at night, in the summertime, the sun goes down so late and comes up so early that it's thrown off the natural cadence of sleep uh-huh. that I'm used to. So I, it really affects me. And of course, like I say, my whole lifetime was spent in New Mexico where we had four distinct seasons. Uh, but it's really noticeable in my case. Mm. So at any rate, like yeah. I said, I'm getting acclimated and I'm starting to like it here. But it used to be very depressing. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Dr. Dan, you have any more comments on this? Well, when you go to uh, places like Alaska, where I lived for a long period of time, you have what's called cabin fever. And there's much higher rates of al- alcoholism and uh, suicide yeah. during the winter months than there are in the summer months. Yeah. 
So we were talking about uh, the uh, analgesics and pain relievers. We have to slightly touched on the anti-inflammatories when Brian called. Um, we want to jump into the antacids and the uh, acid reducers. You bet. Uh, antacids, acid reducers, the stomach drugs, uh, gastrointestinal drugs are uh, way, way overprescribed and way overused by people in the United States. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, misconceptions about why people get heartburn and uh, of course there's a lot of uh, abuse of our GI tracts with <laughs> bad food and uh, good drink yeah. so uh, let's look at some of the common drugs first uh, one of the most commonly used uh, antacids is aluminum hydroxide gel wow. brand names would be Maalox, Mylanta and uh, is there any problem with that? Well, yeah. Uh, contrary to popular belief, some of that aluminum is absorbed from the stomach or the intestines and goes into the bloodstream and, of course, helps contribute to heavy metal toxicity, specifically Alzheimer's disease. Yes. And so what about, can it also have an effect on uh, causing fibromyalgia? Yeah. Some people talk about fibromyalgia could be caused, possibly caused by aluminum toxicity. Well, it can be caused by the contribution of uh, aluminum toxicity and these people taking these drugs consistently Correct. have uh, much lower mineral absorption, which definitely contributes to fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, another one is calcium carbonate. That's Tums. That's one of the more innocuous ones. But if you're taking Tums all the time, you need to look at uh, why you're getting heartburn. Uh, ranitidine was one of the earlier drugs that came out. It's uh, called Zantac, and it's a histamine receptor inhibitor. And uh, these drugs are not specific. They inhibit all the recept receptors for histamine, and histamine has some very important uh, nervous system functions. It just doesn't... Uh, uh, stimulate the production of uh, hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Uh -huh. So then there's omeprazole. The I was going to swear there. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the purple pill, Prilosec. Yes. yes. Uh, when those ads come on TV, I always uh, say a few choice words. <laughs> but this is a gastric acid pump inhibitor. So why is there so darn much hyperacidity in the United States? Well, there isn't. It's a misconception. And there is a condition of uh, hypersecretion called Zollinger-Ellison syndrome. And that's a syndrome marked by hypergastrinemia. And gastrin uh, stimulates the production of hydrochloric acid. And so people with this have a lot of ulcers. And it's treated with the purple pill, omeprazole. But what's the prevalence of Zollinger-Ellison syndrome? Well, in 2003, the last time they looked at it, it was one case per million people per year in the United States. Oh, my god! So it's extremely rare. Yes. So <laughs> what we're doing is we're not looking at physiology. Uh, heartburn is caused by a lower... Valve in the esophagus not closing off and allowing acid to come up into the uh, esophagus. And it's caused by too little stomach acid, not too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So there are three main reasons, though, why people have uh, stomach irritation and heartburn. And one is inflammation. You get gastric irritants, such as alcohol, too much caffeine. You can have infection. There's a common uh, bug called Helicobacter pylori that causes infection in the stomach and uh, ulcers. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we should probably continue with that when we come back from the news, uh, Dr. Dan, because there is, uh, the, the acids are a very hot topic and very uh, big part of the, uh, the industry. We'll be right back. We were talking about uh, a very big topic in today's society, which is the uh, consumption of antacids. And uh, um, Chuck, do you have a comment about that? Yes, I do. Um, I have problems with my stomach, and uh, I've had scarring of the esophagus and had to have my esophagus blown out three times now so far. But uh, antacids like Maalox, Tums, that sort of thing, do not help me at all. And I do have the bacteria, whatever. H. pylori. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm on Prevacid, and without the Prevacid, I pretty much can't eat anything or just start getting uh, the burning in the, the esophagus and just severe heartburn. So you have so, to take it right before every meal? You do no, you just do? one pill a day. Okay. And, Dr. Dan, what is your take on Prevacid, and why don't you like that type of drug? When someone has a condition like you, you have to deal with it in the best way you have to deal with it. You can't have the burning or you can't function. And so, uh, you know, I would say take the Prevacid as you need it. There are ways to decrease that inflammation, however. Well, even if I miss one day... Within four or five hours, it starts up, mm-hmm. and just increasingly gets worse and worse and worse. So you're just sicker than a dog, plus the heartburn. So well, like I said, you can't uh, function that way. So no, you there, cannot. There are some conditions in which uh, the drugs are absolutely necessary and are properly prescribed. So why do you not like that class of drug? What is the uh, disadvantage? Well, there's a lot of people taking them that uh, are able to get off of them by correct use of natural supplements. The reason I don't like them is because people take them for minor complaints, lower their stomach acid, and then develop uh, stomach infections with Helicobacter pylori. That's the most common, but there are other uh, bacteria that can give you infections. Well, I've tried uh, Jacobus' suggestion about uh, either the vinegar or the lemon juice, and to no avail. Well, Nothing at all, huh? Wow. We have to take this in a stepwise process, but uh, continuing why, uh, in general, I don't like them. For specific cases like yours, they're appropriate. Uh, It decreases absorption of nutrients because uh, you need stomach acid to break down proteins and to... Uh, release the minerals from foods. And without the signal of acid, uh, the pancreas doesn't work right. So how can we decrease inflammation, which is probably one of the reasons you're having so much discomfort? Uh, We take this in a stepwise process. If someone has a stomach problem, you don't just stop everything that they're taking. You have to decrease the inflammation first. 
one of the best ways to do that is to eat foods that don't irritate the stomach and the GI tract. And one way to do that is through a blood test. You can either look at uh, antibodies produced by the body against specific foods and then discontinue those foods. There's also tests that look at uh, the response of white blood cells to Mm. food antigens. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good way to look at it. But decreasing inflammation with supplements can be done with a supplement called deglycerizinated licorice root. Uh, Which is commonly known as DGL. And some people say it means it's darn good licorice. Yeah, it tastes very much like licorice. Mm-hmm. But uh, it has two main actions. It's a demulsant, which means it coats the esophagus and stomach so that the acid that is produced doesn't bother it bother the mucous membrane, and it stimulates the uh, proliferation of goblet cells. If you look at the uh, histologic makeup of the esophagus, the stomach, and the intestines, there's all sorts of different cells, and one of those cells is is called a goblet cell because it looks like a little goblet, Mm -hmm. a glass. Mm -hmm. And these cells produce mucus, Uh and mucus helps protect the esophagus and the stomach and the intestinal tract. So DGL really helps that. And so uh, people typically take uh, two half hour before each meal. Uh, In the case of chronic inflammation, you could take two every two hours, two every hour. Mm -hmm. It's very innocuous. If you take straight licorice root, uh, it has a constituent uh, known as glyceriza. And uh, glyceriza has uh, aldosterone-like properties and can upset your mineral balance and uh, cause hypokalemia, which is low potassium. We had an interesting case where (laughs) at the college where some students uh, prescribed solid extract of glyceriza glabra, which is licorice root, to a patient for uh, support of his adrenal glands and... uh, they didn't watch him carefully enough, and he presented to the emergency room with a uh, low potassium level. Oh, wow. And he developed uh, edema mm-hmm. from that low potassium. So deglycerizinated licorice root is very safe and quite effective. How about uh, mastic gum? Well, that's in part two here. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're de- I was not reading over your notes. Well, that's very good. Uh, we're decreasing inflammation first before yes. we go after the infection. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, plantains, another uh, good plant to support the gastric mucosa. It uh, helps it recover from injuries. Uh, slippery elm is another one that's a demulcent. That means it coats the mucous membranes while they recover. Another way is uh, with an amino acid called L-glutamine. So all of these are helping to protect the stomach lining and the intestines. L-glutamine is the main fuel for the cells of the GI tract, and so it helps them regrow quicker and recover Mm -hmm. from injury. Mm -hmm. So all of those things can be helped, and uh, the thing that I'd try would be the DGL. And the best form is a chewable form because it mixes with saliva and uh, coats the structures that are irritated. Uh, Jonathan Wright from uh, 
Seattle, Washington is an MD who does a lot of nutritional work, and he says that uh, people with severe problems, he just has them suck on these DGL tablets continuously until they get relief. Wow. <clears throat> so moving on now that we've got well, is Chuck. Does that uh, answer your question? Uh, I mean, do you feel that this is something you might want to try? Uh, yeah. Or is it a lot easier for you to just take the Prevacid? I mean, it's much it easier to just take the Prevacid. And I was just thinking, uh, I forgot to take it this morning, and you know, my stomach's already starting to uh, become Backed aggravated. Up a little bit. Yes. You know, I, I'm looking over here at the prescription of the uh, pocket guide to prescription drugs, and it mentions some of the side effects that may occur. And I don't know if that is part of your life. Um, you know, when you take Prevacid. Uh, more common side effects may include diarrhea. Less common side effects may include abdominal pain and nausea. And rare side effects, which I absolutely sure does not affect you, is abnormal thinking. So that is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a problem. <laughs> so uh, uh, acne and aggravation of hostility, agitation, anemia, anxiety, apathy, arthritis, asthma, bad breath belching so there's a lot of this actually about a half a page full of um, rare side effects that may occur so it is um, um, there are not too many side effects to taking dgl uh, taking a plantain taking a slippery elm or the l-glutamine um, but obviously it would be a little bit more work however if you could do something like that for a while and maybe watch some of the food intake that might irritate this um, you know, you might have relief for the rest of your life and um, all of a sudden find, um, you know, that you can do without certain things. I think it is a discipline thing that we all need, most of us need. And uh, what we eat, I find out myself, I luckily I do not have any upset stomachs, but I do get bloating at times. And, um, um, you know, you get, I don't have any burping, but the bloating how uh, affects me and i know that if i take certain remedies that will go away help go away plus drinking more water i find out drinking water uh, plenty of water uh, even before a meal if you take a couple glasses before about 15 minutes before a meal i find out it uh, really helps me in digestion also you don't eat as much well that's another good point <laughs> all right well that's good good luck with that well thank you so, we have uh, some callers. Uh, caller number one, uh, good morning to you. Your name and how can we help you? Is that me? That is you. Okay. This is Betty. Hello, Debbie. Uh, I have some splitting fingernails. What can the gentleman suggest to stop that? Mm-hmm. Well, splitting fingernails can be due to several things. Um, one is... Uh, Fungal growth under the nail. Is there any sign of that? Not really. Not and and on my toes there is, but not on the fingernail hands. Uh huh. Well, you need to take. Uh, be sure you get the nutrients that help contribute to nail health. One of those big ones is silica. Uh, you can get that from uh, a plant called horsetail. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Or shave grass. Or shave grass. That's another name for horsetail. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to eat that stuff. You can actually scrub pans with it. So <laughs> <laughs> you want to get a... Uh, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> you need to get an extract of that in a, in a capsule form. I'm sure that you can find that at a health food store. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, also make 
sure that there's uh, nutrients in your diet that help with uh, connective tissue growth, uh, vitamin C or bioflavonoids. Lysine. Lysine. Mm Mm-hmm. Is a good uh, amino acid for for nail growth. You usually find that uh, Debbie in a health food store when you go to uh, L-lysine. Lysine is L-Y-S-I-N-E. L-lysine. Um, so that that could be very helpful. And what he said, silica, which you can either get in a mineral form or you can get it in the form of horsetail. Another good uh, <clears throat> product is called MSM, and that can help with nail growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I'll try them. Now, the, uh, those are solutions, but why would people have splitting fingernails, Dr. Dan? Could it be that there is a thyroid disorder? Is it, uh, I mean, it could be different things, right? Well, it could be different things. Uh, it always helps to look at, uh, you know, overall health complaints, other things that might contribute to it. Uh, chronic diseases can interfere with uh, nail growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing they've noticed in people that get bad injuries or heart attacks is that their nail growth stops and they'll have a big, huge uh, transverse ridge in the nail after they recover. And so a lot of chronic diseases can interfere with nail growth. Uh-huh. I have no symptoms of anything bad. <laughs> well, I'd, so, try, I'd try the uh, things that we suggested then. Horsetails, shaved grass. Horsetail and shaved grass is the same thing. Okay. And the which is rich in silica. And uh, like you mentioned, you can also take a, a product called BioSil, which has been uh, touted very, very much lately, which is rich in silica. And um, you can take homeopathic silica, which has uh, helped very well. And um, so, and then what we mentioned, uh, L-lysine, probably uh, for connective tissue. And as Dr. Dan said, bioflavonoids. You can buy as bioflavonoids or uh, citrus high fruits, citrus fruits, or vitamin C in general. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, and all the best to you. Thanks. All right. We have another caller. Caller, thanks for joining. Your name, and how can we help you? Uh, yeah, my name is Brian. And Hello, I Brian. Was just, I was wondering, I've got a friend that uh, is into this new energy drink that's come out. It's a, it's a non-sugar zero carbs energy drink and uh i i don't know much about it except that basically i guess the way it's supposed to work is it floods your body with a b vitamin complex okay and helps you supposedly helps you metabolize your own uh i guess your own energy (laughs) um my question was is there are there any real dangers with flooding your body with uh some form of an absorbable vitamin B, like there's, you know, there's probably, there's close to 5,000% of your recommended daily allowance in this thing. And also there's a, a chemical in it called L-taurine. I, I don't have it with me, so I can't spell it out if that's the wrong pronunciation. Yeah, But I was, right. also, mm-hmm. I was also told that that can be a degenerative chemical for your heart muscle. <laughs> Mm. Mm, well, that's uh, misinformation. Okay. Uh, the B vitamins, uh, you can take extremely large doses without harm because they are water-soluble. Uh, if you take too much uh, vitamin B3, you may notice a flushing. And okay. some people can get a little hyper from uh, a lot of B6 as well. Uh, B6 is 
uh, been said to cause uh, liver damage at really high doses, but uh, that that is in rare cases, and it just isn't seen in the general public. Okay. Uh, the B vitamins do help you metabolize uh, foods and nutrients for energy, uh, carbohydrates and proteins. Uh, taurine is a amino acid-like uh, molecule that is extremely important for the heart and for the eyes, and it helps the uh, heart function better. Okay. And, uh it also helps minerals get into tissues. Uh, it's uh, one of the helper transport uh, molecules for uh, magnesium, potassium. And so it's really essential and very important for the heart. Okay. Mm. My, my one other comment I had was, you know, a lot of, with, uh, you know, I've been listening to your program this morning since about 08 o'clock. And there's, uh, you know, there's all these people getting cancer and stuff. But I think, you know, you talked about the sunlight and how that was that was important. I think a big overlooked one that everybody knows about is just their intake of water. You know, the, it doesn't seem like anybody I know drinks enough water. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like that would just contribute to all the, uh, the digestive problems, the, you know, a lot of the issues you guys have talked about today. Well, it contributes to all of those issues because we, as a society, take in a lot of uh, dehydrators, uh, caffeinated products, and they cause excretion of water. Uh, there's a uh, book out called Your Body's Many Cry for Waters by a uh, Indian doctor, and that really goes into a lot of the beneficial uh, effects of water, and he cured uh, many people of uh, uh, chronic gastrointestinal complaints just by giving them water. Mm-hmm. So we are a chronically dehydrated population. That's yeah. true. Brian, I want to tell a couple things more about taurine. It says over here, taurine is an amino acid, which is one of the building blocks of protein that regulates heartbeat, maintains cell membrane stability, and helps prevent brain cell overactivity. It has been shown in small double-blind studies to be effective in improving heart function in congestive heart failure, lowering blood pressure and reducing seizures in people with epilepsy is poorly controlled with anti-seizure drugs. And they say there is no drug interaction, uh, no significant side effects, uh, no warnings and cautions. And it even says that the usual dosage is the typical dosage is 2 grams, which is 2,000 milligrams, taken three times a day for a total of six thousand milligrams a day so i don't really think that taking taurine in any kind of supplement form uh most of them come in about a 500 milligram some of them even a thousand that you have to worry too much about overtaking this okay thank you very much you're welcome brian yep bye-bye folks i know we're coming close to the to the end of this second hour and uh, we love to hear from you if there is uh, there is any comment or question that you have about the use or in your own life uh, or people you know uh, of taking certain prescription drugs over-the-counter medication and uh, the, the the chance of possible side effect and the possibility of taking something that would be a more natural alternatives and as dr dan carter my guest today is explaining uh, sometimes it is a uh, taking a natural alternative sometimes it is a possibility of doing some body work or exercise it could also be 
um, the, the, the use, the, the, the slight change or the massive change in your diet and lifestyle. So uh, for a lot of us, uh, we are in a situation where we look at things, where we realize that um, problems are up and uh, we think, okay, we're not going to change anything we're doing today. We're just going to take something to cover it up. The problem that we have with the prescription drugs is that um, many of them actually have not been adequately tested in spite of what your doctor will tell you. Um, that doesn't mean, therefore, that none of them work. Uh, Dr. Dan is saying very clearly in certain circumstances, in certain conditions, for certain individuals, it is very important that they take some kind of a prescription drug for if they're rightly prescribed because it can be extremely effective for them and uh, and you will there's always things you can do for the um, for the side effects possible side effects so um, we'll be right back we were stuck with our end assets and there are still uh, quite a few things to say about the end assets acid reducers and gastrointestinal drugs Dr. Dan, it's great to have you with us uh, again. I can tell you right now we're not going to get through this list. No, we sure won't, but we'll continue with the uh, antacids, and we've talked about how to reduce inflammation. Let's look at how to get rid of the uh, infections that might be present due to uh, too little stomach acid or some other problem that caused it. Infection is usually with a bacteria called H. pylori, Helicobacter pylori, and it was uh, first discovered... Uh, 20, 30 years ago, and the scientists that discovered it postulated that it was the main cause of duodenal ulcers. At that time, it was thought that stress was the main cause, but he uh, thought that this was the cause because uh, looking at stomach biopsies, he would see this little inclusion body in the cells or between the cells, and he thought it was something, and they just thought it was an artifact of preparation. Hmm. And then he uh, finally cultured it out in a, in a selfless act of self-sacrifice. He uh, drank a culture wow. <laughs> of Helicobacter pylori, and he, he promptly developed ga severe gastritis mm -hmm. and had to take antibiotics to get over it, but it caused ulcers in his stomach. Wow. But uh, there are some other less common organisms that will also cause stomach acids. So hyperchlorhydria leads to these in the in the main part. So uh, indiscriminately taking antacids uh, can lead to stomach infections. You said hypochloridia or hypochlorhydria? Yes, so low not, stomach not acid. Okay, low stomach acid. Low okay. stomach acid. Mm -hmm. So one way to get rid of it is with a uh, extract from a plant known as known as mastic gum. Mastic gum inhibits H. pylori and can, in many cases, uh, allow people to uh, recover from the infection. Mm -hmm. Usually mm -hmm. what I do is combine mastic gum with bismuth citrate. Uh, bismuth citrate is easily available <clears throat> over-the-counter in that uh, pink antacid known as, help me out here. Uh, Melox? No, the pink one. Pepsid AC? Pepto-bismol. 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 So bismuth citrate is in Pepto-bismol, but it should be combined with uh, mastic gum okay. to get the best result. Mm -hmm. uh, another herb is Oregon grapefruit extract. Mm -hmm. It's a very uh, 
effective antimicrobial, and it's called got a uh, alkaloid in that uh, plant called berberine, and that's what uh, really acts against the bacteria. Oregon grape root, I thought it was a uh, another possibility for a golden seal extract. Is that right, or does Oregon grape root really have its own um, uh, characteristics and effects on the body? Well, Oregon grape root uh, is much more readily available and less expensive than golden seal. Yeah. Most of your golden seal is uh, wild crafted. It's called. It's obtained in the wild. There are some herb companies that are now gr- growing their old own golden seal, mm-hmm. but it has similar alkaloids to uh, Oregon grape root, and they okay. are berberine alkaloids. Berberine alkaloids. Okay. Yeah. And another. Uh, Important thing if you do have a uh, infection is to periodically take uh, bentonite clay because it can, can mm. absorb the enterotoxins produced by the bacteria. One thing you want to be careful of, <laughs> another thing this comes from experience, is uh, take your clay or your uh, charcoal capsules. <laughs> if you're taking those away from any drugs or supplements that you need for your body because they will absorb those drugs or supplements. Okay. <clears throat> so in a way, they're very cleansing. Yeah. yeah. So yes. if you're cleansing and you need uh, a drug or a supplement, uh, make sure you take these uh, strong absorbents away from those. Mm-hmm. So once you get the infection under control, uh, you can deal with your low stomach acid. Uh, Low stomach acid is very common, especially if you're over 50 years old, and it can lead to stomach infections. One of the main causes of heartburn is low stomach acid Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you need sufficient stomach acid in order to cause your lower esophageal valve or sphincter to close. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have enough uh, stomach acid, you'll develop nutritional deficiencies, especially minerals. And that's why so many older people... uh, uh, do develop uh, mineral deficiencies. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you have to do is heal the stomach lining, as we've said, under inflammation and infection. And then the most simple first step is to try anywhere from one to three teaspoons of organic si- apple cider vinegar in uh, some water about f- 10 to 15 minutes before your meal. Okay. I've seen this ca- cure, so to speak, so many cases of uh, heartburn that it's uh, it's simply a wonderful thing to see. Uh huh. Have you seen any uh, preference over raw apple cider vinegar, organic apple cider vinegar, and uh, lemon juice, fresh lemon juice? Have you seen any difference? Uh, lemon juice doesn't work as well as vinegar. Okay. When lemon juice is uh, metabolized by the body, it's actually alkaline in nature. Okay, that's right. It will turn alkaline. It turns alkaline uh-huh. when it's metabolized, and it's a good way to alkalinize the body. Mm-hmm. Even though it's very acid in the first uh, yeah. minute or so, but yeah. after that, okay, well, that's good. Right. So why, why would they advise uh, lemon juice, fresh lemon juice? Well, lemon juice is a good alkalinizer, and it uh, does help to uh, stimulate digestion. Okay. But the apple cider vinegar has been shown consistently to do a little bit better. Yes, it uh, certainly has. All right. Yeah. And then once, uh, if that doesn't work, then you can actually take hydrochloric acid capsules. I wouldn't use any tablets. Tablets tend to get stuck in the throat easier. 
Mm-hmm. So make sure that you can swallow these things. And if you have trouble swallowing, uh, perhaps you should stay with the vinegar because you don't want to have one of these caught in your esophagus. Okay. So the way to do the hydrochloric acid is to start with one to two capsules at the start of a meal. And uh, if you don't get any warmth or burning, build by one capsule per meal until mm-hmm. you experience a warmth or burning. Okay. And then decrease by one capsule, and that's the dose of that's the number of capsules you need to take a, for a meal of that type. Mm-hmm. And it can really improve digestion. Another thing you can add is uh, digestive enzymes to improve the digestion even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Because we're going down the list, and uh, I can already tell you we're going to have a part two coming up for natural alternatives to over-the-counter and prescription drugs. Dr. Dan doesn't know it yet, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, we have so many categories to go through, and uh, his information is always very helpful. But if uh, so. So I think what we'd like to move into now is antidepressants. Okay. Because there seems to be so many depressed people in the United States, and uh, antidepressants have become a big drug category for Huge. prescription. Yes, and there are so many different choices out there. <clears throat> and I think also that uh, the information that is out there, and I, I gave a, um, a short lecture last night over at the Covered Wagon Ranch just outside of Big Sky, and uh, one of my things was talking about the endocrine system, and I wanted to address the fact that uh, uh, some of the some of the elements of the endocrine system, uh, if they're not properly diagnosed or if they're not functioning correctly, can lead to depression, and um, such as thyroid disorders, hormonal imbalances, uh, adrenal disorders. So uh, I thought I wanted to educate the people over there, and um, it was well received. But Dr. Dan, I know this is a this is a huge topic, and I. I um, if you don't mind me doing so, maybe to get into this uh, more, I thought I read an article that appeared in the Bozeman Chronicle uh, Thursday, and it was called Mental Illness Holds Steady While Treatment Rises. And so it was. Uh, there was some really interesting information about about that, uh, about this, this specific topic, and I thought if I browse through there real quick uh, and you understand what we're talking about and what Dr. Dan really wants to address today, um, Americans grappling with mental illness are more likely to be treated for it now than they were 10 years ago, according to a landmark government-backed star- survey. The rate of mental illness has remained the same, but researchers believe that with more treatment inroads in the future, rates should eventually start to drop. Now, they don't know that for sure, but they are saying that it, uh, the rate of mental illness has the same, but uh, obviously we have more people and more people are being diagnosed. I think things are going to move in a good direction, but we sort, we're sort of in the midst of it said study leader Ronald Kessler, a sociologist at Harvard Medical School. However, a more troubling possibility, some experts acknowledge, is that treatment too often fails to work. And that's why the rate of illness has held steady. We may have been congratulating ourselves for extending mental health services, but we still know so little about those services. Maybe we need to step back and do more research about what works. Well, that's a very good comment. It is David Duncan. He is a public health and policy specialist at Brown University. The, the the interesting thing I want to say about this is that just as much as people like to get on the natural product industry and say that products have not com- uh, completely been tested, so we see more and more 
that prescription drugs are being taken off the market and definitely come under scrutiny because uh, they have caused a lot more side effects than the original product companies uh, said would be you know, let's say there's no side effects to it, and so that's why the FDA considers it safe. It, it raises the problem that indeed the FDA is very much uh, uh, being paid for by the prescription drugs companies, by the pharmaceutical industry, and it is something for you as consumer to be aware of and therefore be be more careful. Uh, the study partly funded, here we go, partly funded by the National Institute of Mental Health and several drug companies was published on Thursday in the New England Journal of Medicine. The researchers surveyed a national representative sample of 5,388 people in the early 90s and 4,319 from 2001 to 2003. Both groups spent ages 18 to 54. So again, we're not talking here about young children who are been pu- being put on Ritalin in order to control their feelings and uh, control their, their issues and, and uh, you know, their, their ADD, ADHD. So we're just talking about 18 to 54. One third of those with a verified disorder, with a verified disorder, now undergo treatment up from a fifth a decade ago. The share of all people treated rose from 12% to 20%, which to me, Dr. Dan, if I read that correctly, that means that about one in five Americans is being treated for some kind of a mental disorder. Right. Is that That's a very high rate. Huge. And so we have to wonder if that is correct. Uh, we talked earlier about seasonal afflicted disorder and the lack of certain nutrients in the body, but we have to wonder if people are indeed correctly diagnosed if they are really depressed or are they grieving are they going through a grieving process um, are they going through some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder are there is there an imbalance in the hormones we have to know more about it the greatest treatment gains came in the primary care setting where family doctors increasingly prescribe drugs for depression and other psychiatric ailments my me my opinion about that is that here we see we always get sent to a specialist and uh, somehow general practitioners as much as they know about health and i know most of them are extremely well educated are resorting more and more to prescribing antidepressants without uh, realizing the side effect and i i told uh, people last night i said with the amount of time that is being given by your doctor during a regular office visit is a doctor able to really see what the true cause of the problem is or are they quickly going by what you tell them and are they saying well we'll put you on antidepressants in a worrisome finding, blacks and Hispanics with a verified disorder were only half as likely to gain treatment as whites, according to findings combining for with both periods. However, some specialists took heart in the expansion of treatment in the general population over the decade. Probably the most positive message out of the paper is the amount of true increase in treatment that is documented here. I think that is the result of a decrease in the stigma. So now... Most people do not mind to tell somebody else that they're being depressed, that they're going through counseling, that there are issues in their life. And I understand that that is good. But on the other hand, um, it has been trivialized for as many people. And that's why so many more people say as soon as they can't handle something in life, they say, well, I'm probably depressed. And so they're looking for a way out. And I have talked to enough people, and I'm sure Dr. Dan has too, people who are on antidepressants who really do not like their life as it is today with the antidepressants because it makes them feel somewhat goofy. Uh, this was, uh, let me see here, uh, experts also tied rising treatment 
to broader insurance coverage and more treatment programs, especially among corporations. So uh, being a business for yourself might be the better way to go. Uh, the other thing is that uh, is the fact that it is covered by insurance right now, does that help the patient or does it help the actual physician or the pharmaceutical companies? In a separate commentary, you know, this is really interesting. In a separate commentary in the journal, Dr. Eva Schoenhammer, another public health specialist at Harvard, appealed for more efforts to cut the high rate of suicide among doctors. She published research last year that showed that the suicide rate among male doctors is 40% higher than among men in general. The rate among female doctors is 130% higher than among all women. One in 10,000 Americans commit suicide in a typical year. This is what federal health agencies report. That is more than 30,000 victims, which is, out, is outstripping the homicide rate. Now, men in general population kill themselves more often than women, yet female doctors are more prone than their male colleagues. So, Dr. Dan, I know we're coming close to uh, the news over here, but uh, your first comment about well, something Well, my first like this. comment is that uh, people are often depressed because they're ill. They're not ill because they're depressed. And secondly, you have to look at common conditions that cause depression that are easily correctable before you put people on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. The first thing you will look at is uh, thyroid disease, because mm-hmm. thyroid is the most commonly missed diagnosis leading to depression, and it's very easily corrected. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to look at that. Yeah. And uh, you need to look at the nutritional deficiencies, mm-hmm. because they really contribute to the uh, decline, in, decline in neurotransmitter levels in the brain, and that so, leads to depression. Uh, so excitotoxins like MSG, aspartame, Splenda, the, the artificial sweeteners and, and, and natural flavors, as we call them? Well, they interfere with the neurotransmitters, yes, and so yeah. they cause depression. Mm-hmm. And also uh, heavy metal toxicity is much more common than the mainstream would like to believe. Yeah. And it causes direct uh, interference with the nervous system and depression. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as we come back from the news, folks, uh, we'll, we'll uh, attack this thing head on. And uh, Dr. Dan is passionate about uh, antidepressants. And uh, uh, me <laughs> he has a passionate uh, warm spot in his heart for it. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. I mean, the, more, the better you feel about yourself, the more sexy you feel about yourself. That's right. So uh, it's really important to have the hormones in balance, uh, not just uh, testosterone, but also uh, thyroid. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's uh, look for a minute at what type of antidepressants there are. There's several types. Uh, two of the main types are the tricyclic antidepressants and uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Mm-hmm. So try saying that fast a lot, and you won't won't. make it. That's right. But what these do is they prevent the uptake of neurotransmitters like uh, dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin, and this results in higher levels and better functioning of the brain. Anything that increases the better functioning of the brain lessens the likelihood of depression. But side effects. Side effects are many, and they can include high blood pressure, increased heart rate, convulsions because they do uh, address the brain, Uh, sedation, inability to sleep, insomnia, and decreased affect. So a lot of people on antidepressants are a little flat. 
Mm. Uh, they don't respond as well to uh, everyday situations. It's really important not to be depressed because depression is uh, one of the main lead-ins to suicide. So yeah. don't just quit your antidepressants. No. If you're on them, uh, let's get some natural alternatives into the picture, and then we can wean you off of the antidepressant. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the best ways to treat depression from a uh, natural standpoint? Well, get your thyroid in shape. It's the easily... Uh, most easily treated way to prevent depression and it's underdiagnosed. It is underdiagnosed. Very underdiagnosed. Let's say we could cut the amount of uh, depressed people in close to half, I would say. Hormonal balancing. Yeah. Balancing things like uh, testosterone is a a mood lifter and it's also a regenerative hormone. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Making sure that there's... uh, Enough DHEA. DHEA uh, actually reduces depression caused by stress, by increased cortisol. Yes. Because it uh, balances that out. Make sure there are enough B-complex vitamins. Correct. Because uh, everything is metabolized with (laughs) the B vitamins. Yes. They're cofactors for all of the metabolic processes within the body. Omega-3 fatty acids are very beneficial for the nervous system. Mm-hmm. They increase the uh, membrane health mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the body. Uh, phosphatidylcholine is another one that really increases membrane health. Now, phosphatidylcholine, for those of you who don't know, is uh, found it's, in it's, lecithin. It's found in lecithin, and mm-hmm. it's uh, one of the main constituents of the cell membrane. That's uh, right. Once you increase the health of the cell membrane, you increase the health of the whole body. Mm-hmm. So lecithin and, and uh, the phosphatidylcholine that it contains is really important. One of the B vitamins, uh, B12, is really important for the nervous system. And there's a form known as methylcobalamin mm-hmm. that seems to have a particular affinity for the nervous system and uh, incorporates into it a lot better. Uh, I don't know if this is true, but somebody told me that um, for a long time, vitamin B12 was available in a form called cyanocobalamin. And now uh, you see it more available in the methylcobalamin, as you mentioned. Uh, I was told that the cyanocobalamin actually is converted into methylcobalamin. So you might as well take the methylcobalamin and forget about the cyanocobalamin. Is, do you agree with that? Have you seen any work on well, that? Well, that's a uh, biochemical fact, yes. So is it worth it for people to still stick to the cyanocobalamin? Uh, well, cyanocobalamin's uh, less expensive, that's true. But uh, if you've got any type of uh, neurological disorder, you you need to go right to the methyl cobalamin. And then a thousand microgram three times a day would be a good idea to go, or would you recommend a different dosage for people? Well, that's uh, plenty as long as it's well absorbed. Okay. Yeah. So most of them come in a sublingual form. You put them under the tongue, and they go should go straight into the bloodstream. They should. Okay. Uh, a lot of times I recommend the people that are having neurological problems do uh, B12 by injection for a period of time. It's really easy to do that. Uh, your doctor can treat, uh, show you how to inject yourself with B12, and then you know that you're getting the full dose into your body. Mm-hmm. Chuck. Dan, I got a question for you. Yeah. When I was 16, I got a severe ear infection, 
And I woke up one morning with half my face paralyzed. And I had Bell's palsy. Wow. And uh, all they could recommend for help was vitamin B12. Now, why would that work for the help of Bell's palsy? I still got a a slight lingering effect, but uh, for six months, half my face was completely paralyzed. Huh. Well, the infection uh, in the ear is very close to the uh, trigeminal nerve, which uh, innervates the face and becomes inflamed or damaged, uh, resulting in Bell's palsy. And uh, one of the things that can happen if the infection is that close is you can actually get nerve damage. And uh, nerve damage is often represented by demyelinization of a nerve. Myelin is a fatty uh, insulating substance that around the nerves. Around the nerves, mm-hmm. and B12 can help regenerate that myelin sheath and reinsulate the nerve so that it functions correctly and doesn't cause pain or spasm. Well, that's that's a good answer. Uh, is there any other alternative? Say in this day and age, if you have Bell's palsy, what would a doctor do now? Beside B12, anything? Well, there's also, uh, I would try some of the amino acids. There's uh, now amino acid assays that can specifically target uh, neurotransmitter deficiencies within the body. And by replacing those amino acids in a specific program targeted by the test, people have really recovered from things like depression and nervous system diseases. So, so some of the uh, amino acids can help. There's also different forms of uh, body work uh, that can really help with Bell's palsy and TMJ dysfunction. One of those is called Bowen therapy, B-O-W-E-N. Hmm. That's one that I do. And there's another more commonly known therapy known as uh, craniosacral therapy that's done by, by many osteopaths and uh, some massage therapists that uh, can help with uh, nerve damage in the head area. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Okay. Some other things that uh, work really good as antidepressants are 5-hydroxytryptophan Uh you know, tryptophan is high in turkey, so some people get a little bit tired after they have a turkey dinner. Okay, that's It may, true. may be other things in the meal, but turkey is one of the things. The advantage with 5-hydroxytryptophan is that uh, a lot of it goes to the brain, and so it really affects uh, neuro- neurotransmitter levels. And the reason it works is it increases brain serotonin levels. This is the way the uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors work. And so it's just the same as some of your more popular antidepressants mm-hmm. and a lot less expensive and doesn't have the side effects. But what, when people talk about serotonin inhibitors, uh, why would that be important? Well, it's the reuptake that it inhibits. See, when neurotransmitters are released at the uh, synapses between neurons, then there's a mechanism for their reuptake, and then the action potential across the neuron doesn't take place anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you inhibit the reuptake, they stick around, and it's like having more of it available. Oh, okay. 
Okay. And so it's it's just as easy to increase the amount with 5-hydroxytryptophan uh-huh. and uh, a lot more beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier uh, phosphatidylcholine, yeah. which is in, um, in lecithin. Right. Uh, there is also uh, in the lecithin, there are several, there are three other main components, the phosphatidylserine, phosphatidyl inositol, and I think there is a fourth one that I blank out on right now. But um, things like inositol and choline, uh, which are considered B vitamins, those both of those seem to be very good for the brain function in general. Yeah, and especially phosphatidylserine <clears throat> seems to uh, be specific for brain health. And that can be supplemented in the amount in the cell membrane, thus increased in cell and mm-hmm. brain function improves. So that's really good. Another beneficial uh, way to approach depression is with a form of methionine known as S adenosyl methionine. Mm -hmm. And the way this works is it improves binding of neurotransmitters to receptor sites on the uh, brain cells. Yeah. And it also improves the fluidity of the brain cell membrane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As we age, the uh, the cells, all the cells in the body, lose the uh, the proportion of phosphatidylcholine and phosphatidylserine goes down, <coughs> and so uh, the cell membrane simply doesn't work as well. There's proteins inserted within membranes that act as uh, receptors and channels, and uh, if the membrane becomes aged, so to speak, those receptors don't work as well. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, your serotonin can't bind to your receptors, and uh, depression is more common in older people. Wow. So it is really a uh, it's really a symptom, therefore, of aging as yeah. people become more depressed. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not because they get older; it is just because certain things are just not clicking the way they should be clicking or they have clicked bef- when they were younger. Right. And a lot of that's due to cell membrane uh, degre- degradation uh-huh. and uh, also nutritional deficiencies. Mm-hmm. You know, the hypochlorhydria. You don't mm-hmm. get those uh, vitamins and minerals into the body as well as when you were younger. What about uh, some people are suffering from um, uh, arrhythmias in the heart? That uh, that sometimes can have an effect on the way that oxygen is being distributed throughout the system, and that can also have an effect that oxygen is not flowing to the brain. Right, and uh, that can indeed also cause uh, forms of depression or lightheadedness, and uh, to the point where people get confused. And uh, is that correct? Yeah, it's a really interesting. Uh, people that undergo uh, IV EDTA chelation, uh, most of them notice a. Decrease in depression, improves, improved uh, memory. Huh. Uh, all of their brain functions seem to improve with uh, EDTA chelation because mm-hmm. you're improving circulation to the brain. Yes. Uh, speaking of chelation, you have to look at heavy metal levels whenever somebody's depressed mm-hmm. because that is uh, all of the heavy metals are neurotoxins. You mentioned, indeed, when I was reading that article that uh, was mentioned in the Chronicle, mm-hmm. and it says that uh, the amount of suicides amongst doctors is higher than amongst uh, the general population. You had a very interesting comment. Well, they've uh, looked at the uh, suicide rate among dentists, and uh, 
it's much higher than the general population and the reason for that can be contributed to their handling of mercury. Hmm. Mercury is highly neurotoxic and uh, one of the symptoms of mercury toxicity that showed up time after time is suicidal tendencies. Wow. It just seems to be uh, part of the thing. Mm-hmm. You looked at the Mad Hatters in Great Britain and they, they committed suicide a lot. What are those? Mad Hatters? Well, I can I can translate <laughs> it, but I... <laughs> when they we're, made we're doing the, uh, the professional, we're doing the medical profession? When the... Uh, <laughs> Hatters uh, made the old-style top hats. Uh, they used mercury to stiffen the felt. Oh, I and see. And they, they would uh, develop neurological diseases and go mad, and they called them mad hatters. I'll be darned. So. Jeez, I thought maybe it was too boring. That kind of <laughs> All right, Cola, good morning to you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Your name and how can we help you? Uh, Karen from Arizona. Hello, Karen from Arizona. Hi. Um, I, it's a little bit off the subject of what you're talking about, but I wanted to know if you had any particular ideas for prevention and treatment of migraines other than the classic um, medication? Yes, we do. <laughs> okay, and? and? Uh, really important with uh, migraine to uh, avoid food sensitivities. That can be tested with a blood test or you can avoid foods for a while and then add them into your diet and see if it causes migraines. Uh, so there is a food allergy specifically, I would say, to certain excitotoxins, or could it also be when you're taking certain well, natural foods that can well, cause this? natural foods can cause it, but uh, artificial sweeteners are a real trigger for migraines because they're all, all neurotoxins. Okay. Another thing that's really coming out as good for migraines is uh, butter burr. It's an herb, and it works uh, good for a fair percentage of people. Yeah. What's the other one that uh, is in microfree? What what's that? That's an herb. I can't remember it right now. Oh, feverfew. Feverfew. Yes, works for quite a few people too. Okay. Um, what about uh, Karen? I don't know if you have to have anybody check your hormone levels. If there is maybe an estrogen dominance, not estrogen production, because you probably have that, but estrogen dominance, the relationship between estrogen. And progesterone could be out of whack, which in many women can cause uh, migraines or headaches or other hormonal issues, such as especially around uh, the menstrual cycle. Uh, so, Dr. Dan, I don't know what you can say about that. And, and, and then the other thing is what can happen, Karen, uh, when those hormones are out of whack, those can be a trigger to uh, thyroid disorders, which can also cause uh, headaches and, and, and migraines. No, I agree. Uh, estrogen uh, progesterone balance is another thing to look at with migraine problems. Especially, Karen, are you talking about uh, migraines uh, 30 days out of the month, or are you talking about them uh, indeed maybe part of the month? Um, throughout, throughout the month. I no longer have any menstrual cycles, so it's not, um, it does, I can't correlate with any, any time of the month. And are you, uh, are you by chance uh, consuming products that, uh, that, uh, that contain um, artificial sweeteners and uh, maybe more than certain glutamate? Um, no, I, I pretty much um, avoid the MSG. Um, occasionally, I have um, an artificial sweetener, but uh, not very often. Okay. Um, I, I injured my neck and had um, and had a cervical disectomy uh, several years ago, and um, since then, seems like that that seems to be 
part of the trigger, but I haven't been able to find any actual foods that maybe trigger it. Yeah, neck injuries and muscle tension can really contribute to migraines. And so uh, having sufficient uh, magnesium in the diet to relax the muscles, along with taurine to make sure it's uptaken well, and then getting some, uh, a lot of times good body work can help decrease the frequency of migraines. What about uh, L-tyrosine? Is L-tyrosine good for migraine headaches? The amino acid? I'm not recalling that fact right now. Okay. Um, Karen, have you heard of a homeopathic company called um, uh, Heal from Germany, or uh, it is sold by BHI in Albuquerque, New Mexico? No, I haven't. BHI. Uh, if you have a natural food store and they might be carrying this, uh, the company BHI, Biological Homeopathic Institute, uh, they carry products by the company Heal from Germany, and they have a product that is called Spigalon. And Spigalon, I think it, I forgot, uh, uh, some, I, I forgot what the what the botanical uh, name is actually, but uh, it has shown very great improvements for people with migraine headaches, and you can take the drops. 10 to 15 drops uh, throughout the day, three times a day, or you can take them when you have an attack and take them in intervals of 10, 15 minutes, and it seems to work very well. So that is another possibility. Okay, Spigalon? Spigalon, okay. S-P-I-G-E-L-O-N. Okay. So that is that. Anything else, Dr. I would Dan? also look at, uh, you know, inflammation is a component of migraine headaches. Uh, one thing that they looked at was they started treating a lot of... Uh, people with heart disease with a product called natokinase. Oh, yeah, natokinase. Natokinase yeah. is a very effective uh, fibrinolytic uh, precursor, mm -hmm. and it helps decrease uh, platelet aggregation and fibrinogen levels in the blood. And coincidentally, they noticed a great decrease in migraine headaches in the patient. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing to look at is uh, natokinase or other proteolytic enzymes. What about um, uh, omega-3 fatty acids again? Oh, I was going to suggest that too, yes. Uh, uh, so you want to take one then that is high in the DHA? Yes. Okay. Because you want to, they've found that uh, platelet aggregation tends to be much higher in people with migraine headaches. So have you, you, have you, you looked into that, Karen? No, actually haven't. Uh, there are, uh, you know, you might want to take a liquid fish oil, but on the back of the label you want to look for the DHA and the EPA, which is what omega-3 fish oil is breaking down into, and that is the more absorbable forms in your body, and the DHA part deal, deals with anything neurological, and uh, so that might be a possibility. I want to ask you, uh, Karen, uh, did you have migraines while you still had a cycle? Yes. You did also, but yes. now it is more gradual and also because you had some injury. Yes, I have, I have it a lot more frequently now than I had back then. Okay. So I'd uh, focus on uh, fish body oil, work. body work, and uh, proteolytic enzymes to decrease platelet adhesiveness. So the proteolytic enzymes, to clear up one more time, which what are we talking well, about? Well, the, the proteolytic enzymes decrease inflammation, and they decrease the stickiness of platelets so that circulation of the brain doesn't get interfered with. So when somebody like that would go to either a physician as yourself or would go to a health food store, are they looking for, I know you mentioned bromelain, which is a pineapple enzyme. Anything else? Bromelain, uh, wobenzyme type enzyme. Wobenzyme. Uh, natokinase has proven to be f effective for migraines. All right. Does that help you? That does help. 
Thank you. Well, thanks for the call, Karen. Okay. And all the best. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. We switched over a little bit to migraine headaches, a very interesting topic, which I know affects also a lot of people because headache medication is definitely big. And uh, obviously, from the answer from Dr. Dan, uh, we don't always have, there's not always one solution. Uh, You're going to have to look at different possible causes for migraine headaches or continuous headaches. Um, I know we're coming closer to the end of the program, Dr. Dan, and we're going to have to reschedule for uh, all the other stuff we want to talk about, such as uh, heart medication and uh, anti-diabetic medication, osteoporosis issues, uh, corticosteroids. Uh, we have, we want to talk about anticoagulants, hypercholesterol. Uh, uh, <laughs> what am I saying? Blabbering on. Uh, medication that is out there. So... Um, any parting thoughts? Oh, you know what? We do have a quick caller. Caller, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time, but what's your name and your comment, please? Hi, is this me? This is you. Oh, okay. I just wanted to relay something that helped me out with migraine headaches. Wonderful. I um, absolutely, this was just kind of one of the things that I noticed went away because I used to get a migraine headache probably at least once a month. Yeah, you don't have a whole lot of time, caller. Okay, um, eliminating all hydronated oils out of my diet and dyes and tried to go to an all-natural diet uh-huh i think that a lot of those things probably triggered migraines so maybe that will help out karen if she could try that yeah that's, wonderful that's really good uh, a lot of your food dyes are extreme allergens and problem makers okay i well, think it was thank you thank good you for show. the call i appreciate that Dr. Dan, thanks very much for being here. All the best again with your practice, and we'll, I know we'll be talking to each other soon to continue with this conversation. Thank you, and I look forward to that very much. All right, folks. Uh, happy Father's Day to all you daddies out there. Have a wonderful Sunday. It looks like it's going to be one, and we'll talk to you next week, Sunday, from 7 to 10.